The opinions and statements expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, and welcome to Episode 41 of the Pennsylvania Project. As you may know, here at the Pennsylvania Project, our vision is a better Pennsylvania. To achieve that vision, our mission is to boldly showcase the political, cultural, and environmental challenges facing contemporary Pennsylvania, and to relentlessly, vigorously, and methodically pursue correct solutions. But more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem. Just do it, as all those commercials say. We have a familiar episode planned for today, and like all episodes of The Pennsylvania Project, it's divided into three parts. You, them, and me. Part one is all about you, your questions, your opinions, your solutions, your whatevers. And rather than a call-in format, we are an email-in format. So if you have something to say, you can always drop us a line at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Today, for the you part, is the first familiar thing because we still have a few remaining questions from our Facebook page that have backed up and a couple of new ones. Tough keeping up with them. So much for the light at the end of the tunnel, right? After that, the after that you part comes part two of the Pennsylvania Project, the them part, where we host a guest to help us showcase the political, cultural, and or environmental challenges facing Pennsylvania. Because here's another familiar thing. Our guest today has been a guest before. He's Alan Fox, proprietor of the Vapor Fox Vape Lounge in Hatboro, the first two-time guest for the Pennsylvania Project. Pretty cool. After the them part comes part three of the Pennsylvania Project, the me part, where it'll be my turn, your caster, Ken Krawchuk. I'll be focusing on some particular issue that really sticks in my craw, pun intended. Today, it's something else that's familiar, unfortunately, Technological Tyrants. And throughout the show, as is our long-established custom, we'll be featuring a Pennsylvania Toastmaster to serve as narrators to read our live commercials. Today, we have Teresa Santoskoy, Vice President of Education from the Reading Toastmasters Club in, you guessed it, Reading. Welcome to the Pennsylvania Project, Teresa. Thank you, Ken. Listen, I, I always ask, what do you like about Toastmasters? I really love the opportunity to stand up in front of a group of people and to talk about topics that are important to me, to learn to speak well and and express myself in a way that's influential and, and exciting. Uh-huh. One thing I always say is you can have the best message on the planet, but it's useless if you can't communicate it. Great. Yep, that's true. Yep. Well, let's get, let's get this show over with. As I said at the top of the show, questions have been piling up on our Facebook page, and we finally are catching up with them. There are only a few left. What do I see there? Four. That's pretty good. But a couple more came in. We should change the name of the show to The Sisyphus Project, I guess. Keep rolling that rock up the hill. So let's try and get through them. Teresa, would you please take the lead and read the first one? From Tina LaRouche in Warmishner, Pennsylvania, the turnpike, I thought you were going to talk about the speeding cameras. <laughs> That's the problem with the Pennsylvania Project, Tina. There's too many things to talk about and never enough time. For those who may have missed it, in episode 40, I was ranting about how the Pennsylvania turnpike sticks in my craw, 
with their legislatively mandated annual toll increases, and how the Commonwealth steals almost half a billion with a B, billion dollars, every year from our hard-paid tolls, rather than letting the turnpike make our driving experience somewhat better. And as it turns out, Tina's question got me started. Not that it's that difficult to do, but the whole question started sticking in my craw with these speeding cameras. So I thought, let me save this one for the end of today's episode, where I'll be ranting about these technology tyrants, like speed cameras and more. So let me, let me set aside, Tina, let me set aside your question, and I'll get to it in about a half an hour. So Teresa, what do we got next? Next, Annette Scott from Facebook asks, why would I pay for something I've never seen? <laughs> Good question. Why should I answer a question that has no context? So let me provide one. This is actually off the Facebook page. She was way down inside of a conversation. Her question was in response to an announcement on our Facebook page. Let me quote it for you. It says, do you want more content? Do you want behind the scenes bonus videos with our guests? Live streams of each show? Access to each episode the day it is recorded? And other extra behind the scenes interviews and other bonuses? To which Annette replied, why would I pay for something I've never seen? Cost a couple bucks to get in, but let me say, first of all, all our episodes are free at PennsylvaniaProject.com. They're free at iTunes, at Stitchers, and innumerable other podcast providers. But as the announcement says, by popular demand, we've added even more content. So for a minimal contribution, you can get access to all that other fun stuff in addition to all the fun stuff you're getting for free. So I guess it's a fair question, though. What are you getting? Let me tell you, my favorite part of all that additional stuff is that we keep the mics live and continue the live stream after the credits roll at the end of the show. It's the part where all of us end up talking about the show, continue our on-air conversations. It's all 100% unscripted and often include things that we shouldn't say on the air. So if you like a particular guest, a cohort, a narrator, this will give you a chance to hear more of them, Annette. So if you're interested in learning more about the post-Pennsylvania Project project, head to our website at PennsylvaniaProject.com and click on the Patreon link at the top of the page. I have no idea why our web guy calls it a Patreon link. He seems to think that it's instantly recognizable, like saying Orgle Borgle or Tweeg. I think it should say, check out the additional fun content, but hey, what do I know? Teresa, do you know what Patreon means? I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure either. <laughs> Don't feel bad. Anyway, Annette, tell me why, or let me tell you, why should you pay for something you've never seen? Because you're missing out on all the fun. And the best part is if you don't like it, you can always unsubscribe. But you do have a good point. I don't pay for something like that either. I don't go for those trials, especially with a, a name like Patreon that I've never heard before. So let me talk to our producer about offering a free trial subscription or maybe put a sample of stuff out there. He's looking at me side-eyed. I don't know about this. But it'll help people like Annette and me understand what's going on. Does that sound good, Mr. Producer? He's not even paying attention to me. Uh, anyway, let's go on to the next one. Johnny Jones from Facebook. In response to the question, what bothers you about Pennsylvania? He says, the misapplication of the income tax and property tax. 
It doesn't apply to the average living, breathing man or woman. <laughs> yes, yes. I have been waiting for one of these questions. Libertarians are famous for it. It's always the sort of question that says, somebody comes out and says, Law X does not apply to us. The topic is usually income tax, like it is with Johnny Jones here, or state citizenship versus U.S. citizenship, or allodial titles, common law courts, I don't need no stinking driver's license, they say. Capital letters, straw man, and other such nonsense. You know, I've studied all these things at length, whether or not living, breathing men or women have to do things. And if we weren't on the air, I would quote Howard Beale from the movie Network on the first night he went bonkers on the air. Did you see that movie? He said, and I paraphrase, it's all bull feces. <laughs> and... Mr. Jones, sorry if that sounds like a cop-out. So tell you what, let me add this to the list of future rants about things that really stick in my craw. Because things like this, they really do stick in my craw. Because I do think it's very important that people know the details of why the income tax doesn't apply to the average living, breathing man or woman. Or all these other things, state citizenship, allodial title, and all that other stuff. And I guarantee you, that episode is going to be a goodie because I've seen too many good libertarians go down the tubes with statements like yours. So let's leave it for that. I will come back with that in a, some future episode. This is great. That's two things now I've got on the list for a future rant. Income tax not applying to us and the one I'm doing this show, the one about those tyrannical devices. So what else we got? We got we're gonna get to the end. Last one, Michelle Brandhoover with the last question from Facebook. In response to the question, "What bothers you about Pennsylvania?" she said, "Grammatical errors." Yes, we touched upon this grammar question briefly in episode thirty-six. Michelle had brought it in. She asked this question then, and I kind of made fun of it. I went on a bit longer in episode 14 because somebody's complaining about our antimetaboli, the one that says more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem. Somebody's picking on me and says, that's improper grammar. But it's actually a rhetorical device. President John Kennedy used it, probably the most famous one. Ask not what the country can do for you. Ask what you can do for the country. So if you're interested in more antimetabolies and learning how to say that word, good grief, that's what the construct is called. Check out episode 14. But, Michelle, I agree. Grammatical errors really do stick in my craw, too. So I'm going to cop out on this one because once I started on this, I mean, I just didn't stop. And I says, you know, I'm not going to be able to get this in here because I'm, I'm looking at the clock and, and I just know it's going to take at least 10 minutes for me to get through this. So let me save this one for a future episode because I got a lot to say about grammar but nothing to say about Grandpa. My producer's looking at me, shaking his head. <laughs> he warned us. On that punny note, that's going to have to do it for the you portion of episode 41. We've actually caught up with all the Facebook questions. Hallelujah. We're going to pause for this information. And when we return, we are going to be visiting with today's guest, proprietor of the Vapor Fox Vape, Vape Lounge in Hatpo, PA, Alan Fox. Did you hear the latest news? Almost two-thirds of all federal spending now goes to pay for the welfare state. 
more than $2.2 trillion, which just about equals federal income. Do you realize what that means? Virtually all tax revenue is now being consumed by the welfare state. But how do we rein in that runaway spending before it destroys America? The answer? The separation of society and state. That's the premise of the new novel, Atlas Snubbed, an unsanctioned parody sequel to Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged. Atlas Snubbed presents a workable alternative to the welfare state as we know it. Atlas Snubbed expertly extends Rand's epic story of a looter's world snubbed by the men of the mind, bringing to life a crumbling post-apocalyptic world where no one need ask who is John Galt, because now they know. Atlas Snubbed, available at all online bookstores or through atlassnubbed.com. Read it today before it's too late. interesting question. What do you think of these three ideas? Number one, people have at all times an inalienable right to alter, reform, or abolish their government as they think proper. Number two, juries shall have the right to determine the law as well as the facts. Number three, the right of citizens to bear arms in defense of themselves and the state shall not be questioned. Do those words sound like there's something taken from a Hollywood political thriller? Well, they're not. They're all direct quotes from Article 1 of the Pennsylvania Constitution. Everyone's heard of the United States Constitution, but have you heard of the Pennsylvania Constitution? Have you ever read it? But mostly, was it ever taught to you in school? If you're like virtually all Pennsylvanians, the answers are likely to be no, no, and no. Well, it's a long time past. We changed those answers to yes, yes, and yes. And you have a critical part to play in making that come to pass. As you know, we here at the Pennsylvania Project are all about solutions. So we have altered, authored a petition demanding that the Pennsylvania Constitution be taught to our children. It's up to our website at on the website at PennsylvaniaProject.com. If you believe it's important to our children to know how our state government works, please add your name to the growing list of signers. And every time we accumulate another batch of signatures, we'll send a copy of the petition to the governor, the Pennsylvania Board of Education, and each and every one of the 501 school districts in Pennsylvania, asking them right now to start teaching our children the Pennsylvania Constitution. So please sign the petition at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Do it now while it's at the top of your mind. Get your friends to sign it, your neighbors to sign it, your coworkers. The alternative is yet another generation that has never heard of, let alone read, the Pennsylvania Constitution. And people wonder why no one votes anymore. Thank you, Teresa. I know I wonder why people don't vote. Ignorance of our Constitution. I never knew we had a Pennsylvania Constitution until I was 35 years old. Incredible. So we're doing our part. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here again, and welcome to the them portion of episode 41 of the Pennsylvania Project, where we host a guest to help us showcase political, cultural, and or environmental issues facing Pennsylvania. Our guest today is a mix of all three. He's Alan Fox, proprietor of the Vape. Vapor Fox Vape Lounge, say that five times fast, in Hatboro, Pennsylvania. He's been in business over 10 years, since 2009, according to his website. 
And it also says that Vapor Fox is the area's original brick and mortar store and vape lounge. Welcome back to the Pennsylvania Project, Alan. Thank you for having me, Ken. Yeah, you, sir, are the first guest we've ever had on the show twice. That's because last time you were here, we just ran out of time, and there were so many more things that we we still needed to talk about. I mean, there's there were a lot of political angles that we left off, and we do environmental, cultural, political, and vaping certainly covers all three of those. It certainly does. And where we should start at the beginning. Now it was episode thirty. Oh, I don't have it in front of me. What's the matter with me? Episode thirty. Episode 36, I think it was. Six. Ah, could, have been, could have been two. We'll, we'll find out. I, I know I have it here somewhere. Anyway, back then we, we talked about, well, we covered some of the basics. A lot of people may not have heard that, so maybe I want to start with a little bit of the basics again. What is vaping? Vaping is a harm reduction technology for helping people get away from tobacco burning cigarettes. It's basically uh, heating a solution that contains nicotine or doesn't have to contain nicotine that people can inhale to simulate the effect of smoking without having any of the uh, toxic payload that you have with combustible smoking. Mm -hmm. That's basically it in a nutshell. Now you say harm reducing. I mean, you're inhaling all that smoke. How can you call that? Harm reducing. It's a vapor. It's not a smoke. Uh, traditional cigarettes are burning. There's uh, carbon monoxide, tar, numerous chemicals that are involved in uh, and the actual tobacco product itself, uh, ingredients as they were, uh, chemicals to 2,000 or so plus chemicals wow. in addition. Uh, that you're inhaling, that you actually are addicted to. And uh, all these things are added to the tobacco by the companies in order to enhance the effect of the nicotine for the uh, end user. Uh-huh. And I was about to raise that same point because I used to smoke cigarettes. I mean, I started when I was 14. I quit when I was 35, 36, right in around there. I quit accidentally, by the way. I was on a camping trip and I ran out. By the time I got back to civilization, it was three days later, and I figured, eh, I'm over the hump. There you go. My, so, my question is, isn't the vaping addictive? Uh, vaping is covers many of the psychoses and and things that people are addicted to. There's There's the nicotine, which is an addiction. Nicotine is an addictive chemical, not that far off from caffeine. Uh-huh. In, in, its, in its effects and its uh, addictive properties. Uh, it tends to get a very bad name because people just want to uh, push it into a very bad corner. But it's, it's basically not vastly different than caffeine uh-huh. as far as addic- addiction goes. Um, I think cigarettes are more addictive than caffeine, having done well, both. Well, like I said, they... they, they they, the infamous they, capital T, they. Yeah, they, 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 them's, like I said, have numerous, numerous additives to uh, uh, enhance the uh, addiction properties of uh, the tobacco uh-huh. when it's burned. Uh, vaping doesn't contain any of that. Uh, nicotine is actually occurs naturally in many uh, 
fruits and actually a lot of vegetables anything in the nightshade family uh tomatoes for instance they are big source of uh tomatoes nicotine. have nicotine yes they do well no wonder i love my italian food so much yes uh tomatoes potatoes uh, things, things in that nature do uh, contain <laughs> nicotine. So, I mean, there's, there's, there probably, like I said, there's a lot of like uh, nicotine testing going around now. Uh, you'd probably be hard pressed to find a man, woman, or child in the country that doesn't test positive for nicotine. Wow! Just based on diet. I, I just learned something. You know, I don't watch TV. I haven't watched TV since 1975. But I, I have seen, occasionally somebody will sit me down and say, oh, you got to watch this. This is great. So I've seen one episode of Cheers. I've never seen Seinfeld. But I've seen three episodes of Simpsons. And on one, uh, Homer Simpson was growing something he called tomaco. <laughs> Combination tomaco, yes. tomatoes and tobacco. And I remember Lisa Simpson saying, tastes like grandma. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't know they were related. So there's actually nicotine in the Yes. And not not just Homer Simpsons. No. No, but uh I guess not an original idea. No. <laughs> no, not at all. But you, you don't you don't have any of that stuff in there. What do you have in there? I mean, like I go to your shop and I say, I want some tobacco or whatever <laughs> it is. Some tobacco. <laughs> or what what do I get? Is, uh what's what's in the liquid? It's all right, it's a liquid. It's a, it's a liquid. Yes. Uh the liquid uh, is is basically four components there's a carrier liquid that's made up of of uh two ingredients one is vegetable glycerin okay the other one is propylene glycol <laughs> which is a usda fda uh-huh. generally regarded as safe ingredient it doesn't sound safe <laughs> isn't that what's in your radiator the, the no. coolant no that's <laughs> ethylene glycol no. And propylene and ethylene aren't like no, tobacco and tomatoes? No, they're, no, they're not. Uh, actually, okay. it's like the uh, ethylene glycol is highly poisonous. Uh, because because of this, as we learned things and whatnot, because uh, antifreeze uh, had a very sweet uh, yeah. flavor to it and whatnot, there were problems with pets drinking it and dying. So uh, they moved to uh, start making antifreeze using propylene glycol because it was safe and didn't kill you. Uh-huh. How handy. Yes. How convenient. Okay. So, so I interrupted you. You got so pro- any, so propylene any, glycol? Yes. Propylene glycol. Uh, you've been using it all day. Uh, you've been watching me. Yes. Oh, man. <laughs> Don't call the cops. <laughs> if, you, if you brushed your teeth, you're using it. Uh-huh. It's, uh, it's in toothpaste. It's in cosmetics. I'm actually allergic to toothpaste, and ah. I, I brush with a fluoride rinse. Aha. Okay. I'm so no, I did part you're, you're I allergic to, but <laughs> yes, it could be. I might be allergic to vaping. I've never tried. Uh, tasty cakes. Ah, no, tasty cakes. I do. Tasty Claire's. I love my tasty Claire's. Yes, the uh, uh, many tasty cakes do uh, contain the uh, propylene glycol, uh, oh. which it's a. Uh, it's a food stabilizer. Uh-huh. I, it's uh, very, very good at holding flavor, which is why it's one of the two ingredients in an electronic cigarette. Interesting. The vegetable glycerin is very good at making vapor when it's heated. The propylene glycol doesn't make vapor too good. Uh-huh. So the combination of the two gives you something that holds the flavor, and the glycerin gives you the production of vapor. Uh-huh. And then after that, it's basically, it's, it's food flavorings. Uh-huh. You know, we didn't cover any of this the last time we were talking. 
And by the way, in the interest of full disclosure, I am a shareholder of Flowers Foods, which owns Tasty Cake. There you go. There, and I love my Tasty Cakes. That's one of the reasons I bought the company. I always buy what I what I do. What do you like? <laughs> yeah, I used to have Nabisco, but then they got bought out by RJR Reynolds, and I sold. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't believe in that kind of stuff. Anyway, okay. so that's so. What, so we we got the list. We got propylene glycol. We've got vegetable glycerin, vegetable gl- natural flavorings, and nicotine. Uh huh. Nicotine is not a carcinogen. It's got a very bad reputation. Really? Yes. And learn something new again. Yes, like I mentioned before, caffeine, nicotine, very kissing cousins. Uh huh. Um. That's it. That's, that's all there is in an electronic cigarette doesn't sound too dangerous they are five percent the risk of smoking based on numerous studies uh-huh. over the past six seven years yeah and this is something you mentioned last yes. time and and i i was kind of surprised to hear that so that means that vaping if you're a smoker and you vape instead it's it's good for you oh, it comes to the harm reduction you were talking yes, about the, there we go that's where the harm reduction comes in uh-huh it's like there's it's no one, no one's saying it's completely safe, but in a relative, in, in uh, relative terms, given the choice, yeah. you know, if you were going to continue consuming nicotine after you know, to step down from smoking or get away from smoking, you can do that with the electronic cigarette. You can mm-hmm. start at a nicotine level and step down to zero nicotine and get away from vaping altogether if you want. Uh-huh. Uh, or you could do what I do, go cold turkey, or you run could out go, of cigarettes on a camping trip. Yes, that's that's like I said, so that works for some people. It worked for me. Um, as far as as far as harm, redu- harm reduction and smoking cessation, uh, the electronic cigarette again, uh, based based on studies and whatnot, has uh, many more times the success rate than any of the uh, traditional methods that. Uh, uh, are offered as in like uh, the patch or the chantix uh or gums mm-hmm. uh, it's been proven to be over twice as effective in uh, getting people off of cigarettes mm-hmm. and with significantly less side effects i don't know if you've ever mm-hmm. seen the side effects that are listed in the tv commercial with chantix and the commercials or nicorette and the commercials i have not watched tv since 1975 <laughs> i said a few minutes ago I have, last thing yes. i saw was like ring around the collar and <laughs> okay stuff like that long time ago now i wanted to hit on this because i didn't mention didn't ask last time i didn't get a chance to ask this you said it's five percent or five percent the risk of regu- smoking a regular cigarette what is the risk i'm vaping what's going to happen to me what is the risk what happens that's, what's that five percent turn into do I turn green? Do I? No, you don't turn green. Blue, <laughs> yellow, <laughs> sky blue, pink. That is an awesome question and one I don't exactly know how to feel the best way. Truth? That's, truth? <laughs> <laughs> we are the Pennsylvania Project. This this is true. Fact. Um, that, that is uh, a question I do not have the answer to. <gasps> do you know what? If I could ask you to... When you have some free time, go out to PennsylvaniaProject.com and submit it. I will fill in that blank. Yeah, and you could fill in that blank because that, that's a very important thing. Yes. Oh, boy. So do you only do nicotine vapes or do you have other – what do I, What do you call the liquid? Is it a vape? What's the, what's the um, proper term for the thing uh, I'd be vaping? 
Well, there's uh, the, the liquid that goes into a device of some sort. No, 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 so, no. If, if I go into your shop yes. and I say, Alan, I need some, I already have the, the vaping device. Right. I need some e-liquid. E-liquid? Yes. I right, tell you guys, that's e-liquid, a new word for me. Or, or people refer to it as juice as a uh, slang-wise, slang yes. E-juice, oh. e-liquid. Oh, I, th- I thought you were talking about religion. It's not oil. Don't ever say the O word. Oh, okay. <laughs> You'll be shown the door. Okay. What is is that a Oral, regulatory thing? No, no. Uh, the uh, e-liquids that are used in the the uh, electronic cigarettes, the nicotine-based ones that have been around for a little over a decade now, are the ones uh, that use a liquid. The big nicotine or the the big vaping epidemic that we had the past couple months, which has died down significantly, that was caused by THC cartridges. And the THC cartridges they were using, they're oil-based, and they were using an an oil as a cutting agent in the manufacture of illicit cartridges. And that's what was causing all of the lung issues with the vaping. Uh But the news media didn't really separate that. No, you're saying the news media is not being accurate. I would, I would never say such oh. a thing. Uh, this was <laughs> truth. This, <that> may be. <laughs> sorry about the truth there. Mm. Uh, it took many months for the CDC to finally admit that it it specifically was uh, oil and THC related, illicit THC and oil combinations and. It had nothing to do with the nicotine vaping, but because of various political and monetary agendas that are afoot in the country, yeah. uh, it gave it gave way to a uh, a very convenient gateway to demonize Indeed. the vaping. And they have done that. And yes, and that was one of the main things I wanted to bring you back here for was to talk about some of the political aspects of it. I think we covered a lot of the basics, except for what damage it does to you. So we'll, we'll pick it up after the break. My guest today is Alan Fox, proprietor of the Vapor Fox Vape Lounge in Hatboro, Pennsylvania. I'm your caster, Ken Krawchuk, and you're listening to the Pennsylvania Project, episode 41. We'll be right back after this information. Thinking about getting your first tattoo? Maybe you're ready to add to that sleeve you started or cover up that regretful choice. Put Sam C. and his team of artists at Iron Will Tattoo Club on Glenside, in Glenside, PA at the top of your list. The team at Iron Will has plenty of designs to choose from. They can create an original design or work with a design that you provide. Call 267-893-7625 today to schedule your free consultation. That's 2678-WE-ROCK or visit them on Instagram at Will. Tattoo Club. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, caster for the Pennsylvania Project. You know, it's easy to find a high-paying job. At least for some people it is. Employers are begging for competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. But do those words describe you? Competent leader? Communicates effectively? If not, or even if they do, you may want to consider joining Toastmasters. The mission of Toastmasters is to provide a supportive environment for learning communication and leadership skills. But does it really work? 
Hey, look at me. I joined Toastmasters, and now I have my own radio podcast. So turn your life around like I have. Visit Toastmasters.org and contact a club near you. Visitors are always welcome, and be sure to mention my name, Ken Crawchuk from the Pennsylvania Project. The future is anxiously awaiting competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. You can be that leader. It all starts at Toastmasters.org. Are you a small business owner, always looking for referrals? Do you have a, a streamlined approach to generating new referrals? Contact Steve Worley to learn the fast, easy way to generate new referrals. Steve has an all-inclusive system that will help you generate an extra 5 to 10 customers per week without spending a single dollar on ads. You won't have to create a website, have pictures taken, or write a single ad. Steve will take the headache out of all of the process. Contact him at stephenworley.com. That's Stephen with a V, W-E-R-L-E-Y.com. Do you have financial freedom that you imagine you would have? At AJ Freedom Financial, we are dedicated to serving you while helping you achieve your financial goals. We're, we offer planning and investment advice on everything from college and retirement planning to a rollover 401k. Please call 688-866-383-6899 to learn more. The top priority at AJ Freedom Financial has always been and always will be our clients. Call AJ Freedom Financial today to talk to a qualified professional at 866-383-6899, 866-383-6899. AJ Freedom Pennsylvania achieved financial freedom from the man. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Gradient Security LLC member FINRA and SIPC. Insurance products and services are offered through AJ Freedom Financial. AJ Freedom Financial is not an affiliate with Gradient Securities LLC. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here again, and we're back with episode 41 of the Pennsylvania Project and our guest, Alan Fox, the proprietor of the Vapor Fox Vape Lounge in Hatboro. And I got to point out that Vapor Fox Vape Lounge is spelled Vapor, P-H-O-X-X-E, Vape Lounge in Hatboro. Guys are always trying to confuse me, e-liquid and juice and stuff like that. And Alan's still here. Oh man, this I is, haven't left yet. This, this You're is the, not done with me. This is the fourth t- <laughs> I'm time. I'm not done with you. <laughs> ah, that's it. Well, and they're not done with you too. Well, I'm going to talk about the political landscape. I mean, what what are they doing to you? What are they doing to me? I go in here. What yes, there are numerous uh, bans that have been put forth in numerous states. Uh, some some have been voted into law. Uh, they have also been very quickly overturned. Uh, That's good to hear. Yes, because it, it is it is uh, a level of infringing on personal freedom. I agree. Um, I mean, if they can't take away cigarettes, they, they shouldn't be able to take away vaping. Well, they we our government gave away our right or signed away your right 
stole they stole, stole our right. if you okay we could use that word they <laughs> yes, they we use they, it all the time. they they signed a very important large piece of paper with uh, tobacco companies saying that uh, we uh, weren't going to ever ban cigarettes hmm. because so, of the money uh, now it's it's big in the news i mean it's really big in the news the police state of new jersey has banned vaping all these flavored things and I, I heard in the news that there are guys on there saying, this put me out of business. That's it. 85% of my business is what they just banned. Yes, and in a lot of cases, it was 100% of the business. Uh, I'm not sure of the exact number of stores in New Jersey. Uh, I know there's a uh, number in the uh, upper hundreds somewhere, plus employees yeah. of those stores that uh, basically just have had the carpet pulled out from underneath them. Done. If if this bill is signed into law uh, in the coming, in the future. Seconds. Uh, probably by the time this, we hit the air, it's going to be signed. I, last I heard, it was on the governor's desk. Yes. Like I said, I, I, I hear where it is. <laughs> it keeps moving around. Uh, if, if it does get signed into law, yes, uh, numerous stores closed. What is their justification for trying to shut this down. Protecting the children. No, no, do it for the children, yes, Hillary. the children. It's the youth vaping epidemic, There's no, which no. doesn't actually exist if you look at the numbers presented by the CDC in their latest 2019 uh, study uh, of, uh, of smoking trends. Uh, the C CDC has looked into it? Yes. And they came out, and they, what did they do you know any of the details of their results? I don't have the numbers memorized. Oh, that's okay. Give us the, the direction of the numbers. The direction of the numbers is 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 that there's no epidemic, okay. numerically. Uh, they they built an epidemic by by using by clumping numbers together in the youth sector survey to make it a big number. Mm -hmm. But if you break that number down into uh, whether they're actually using it on a regular basis, uh, use it sometimes, uh, just tried it, or even just looked at one. <laughs> they've, they've, taken, they've taken all of that and called it youth vaping and uh, presented it as a number to uh, call an epidemic. But uh, statistically, there is no epidemic. Is that a word that CDC used, epidemic? Yes. I believe it is. What well, doesn't that mean? It's like spreading around. That that's exactly the the problem with using the word epidemic is huh. because uh, epidemic is obviously something that's uh, contagious, uh, viral, bacterial, or something like that. Uh -huh. uh, it's just it's it's a good it's a good uh, fear mongering word to throw around. You're not Which saying the CDC is being political, are you? Absolutely not. No. Oh, please, please. <laughs> you know, remember my days in my youth, if I were doing something like that, I w something like that would last just as long as the battery did. And once the battery <laughs> was dead, uh, throw it in the drawer, think of it maybe a month or so later, unless it's addictive. But if doing nicotine, it might be. It might be, but like I said, back to the caffeine argument. <laughs> Starbucks, <laughs> mm -hmm. energy drinks. They have massive amounts of caffeine in them. That's and, for sure. And I'm allergic and to caffeine. people that, that live on those things. I know. I'm allergic to caffeine. I gave it up in 1983. I still drink alcohol, though. I, I still I love my garlic. 
Well, garlic bread steak. A little tiny piece of trivia for you there, then. Go for it. T- today, today is the hundred year anniversary of when they signed prohibition into law. Oh, <laughs> thanks for reminding me. Good grief! It gave us. They took. Al Capone and the gangs and turned it into Escobar and the cartels. And, and that's exactly I said, why I'm... people in jail. Well, that's what's going on with the vaping. It's becoming almost a prohibition-like situation. And what happened with that is the black market. Black market takes over. And right now, it's like the vaping industry as it is, is federally uh, regulated. And really? Whatnot. Yes. What uh, it has been since 2017, 16. How old is the vaping industry? It's rel- got to be relatively new. Um, I mean, 2000, 2007, roughly. Uh-huh. Uh, mainstream, slightly after that. But its earliest beginnings were in the uh, the, the mid-2000s. As, as we know it today, it, it has evolved. It has evolved exponentially uh, from... The dark ages back then. Uh-huh. Uh, See, I, I'm concerned that they're, <clears throat> excuse me, that they're banning this because I'm wondering what right do they have to ban it? I mean, in, in Pennsylvania, you have the Article One, Section One says you have the right to enjoy, pursue your own happiness. I got it, I got it right here in front of me. I should be able to have it in front of me. Uh, all men are born equally free and independent and have certain inherent and indefeasible rights, among which are those of enjoying and defending life and liberty of acquiring, possessing, and protecting property and reputation, and of pursuing their own happiness. Now, it doesn't say vaping in there, but it certainly includes vaping, you know, pursuing this, your own happiness. This is true. Enjoying life. The, their, their loophole that they uh, use is the Department of Health. How can they use the Department of Health if this is so much safer than cigarettes and they can't ban cigarettes? I'm putting you on the spot here. No, 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 you're, no, no, no. Our, our <laughs> resident expert. The, the Department of Health, I said, and uh, it can, does whatever they want, whatever they're paid to do. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So let's take the question. Let's take, I, break it down into two questions here. Which was uh, the first one? Uh, I, I okay. <laughs> How do they get the authority to do this? How do they get the authority to do that? Yeah, how can and I mean, couldn't the, I'm I'm thinking of the extremes. If they can ban something like that, that's much much safer than tobacco, but they can't ban tobacco. How how do they do this? I mean, if they're doing it for the children, can't they ban Oreos, for example? And no, I'm not a shareholder of Nabisco right. anymore. <laughs> I said I sold that. I love my Oreos though. My Tasty Claires. Good grief! They can ban my Tasty Claires and say. Oh, it causes obesity. And the, right. Well, we I got their, their 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 reasoning is the uh, uh, they want to ban they want to ban flavors, and they want to tie the children to the flavors because the flavors attract children, which would lead them to becoming nicotine addicts, which would lead them to become smokers. Well, but there's but there's no there's there's no correlation. As a matter of fact, there's a negative correlation as uh, of for vaping being uh, a gateway to smoking. Uh-huh. Again, the numbers yeah. <laughs> from the CDC surveys say exactly the opposite of uh, what the anti-vapers. Interesting. And it's the same thing with the CDC on, on the gun issue. They found no evidence that these feel-good gun laws do anything to prevent gun violence. 
So eventually, every now, every now and again, the CDC comes out with something that's correct. Right. It's like uh, recently, it's like what happened? Is it uh, Virginia that uh, declared a state of emergency <laughs> to uh, ban guns uh, at uh, oh, at, a, at a gun rally? Yeah, I saw that. That's crazy. Now, last time, last time you were on the show, you mentioned something that happened in Philadelphia, closer to home here. Yes, not uh, Virginia. Yes, Philadelphia. The city of Philadelphia banned. Uh, flavored electronic cigarettes and liquids from being sold in anything but adult-only access stores. Oh, you so, mean like porn shops? Yeah, porn shops, <laughs> uh, bodegas, <laughs> <laughs> uh, convenience stores, so on and so forth. Bars. So, yes. Uh-huh. So technically, it's like you. It kind of pushes. Pushes the uh, the flavored electronic cigarette market, liquids, and so on and so forth into uh, brick and mortar stores. Uh huh. Can can I buy some of this and give it to a kid? Do I get in trouble for that? Just the same way you would get in trouble for alcohol. Oh, if I get caught, I get it. <laughs> yes, it's uh, they're the uh, they're very very parallel as far as uh, cause and effect, punishment, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Unlike alcohol, though, uh, underage possession of an electronic cigarette, there isn't anything. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a good thing. At least you still have some freedom. Alan, we're out of time again. I think we covered all the big points I wanted to. Any final comments you want to get in there? Um, they see. Yes. Uh, the organization that uh, I work with as far as education goes for uh, vaping and whatnot, uh, for educators, for youth, uh, for anyone that wants any information on vaping, I highly recommend uh, going to their website. It's vaepworld.com. That's the Vaping Advocacy and Education Program. Okay, vaepworld.com. Yes, sir. Okay, that's going to have to wrap it up for the then portion of the show. My thanks to our second time guest today, Alan Fox, the proprietor of the Vapor Fox Vape Lounge in Hatboro. We're going to pause for this information, and when we return, I'm going to be ranting about something that really sticks in my craw, technological tyrants. The following is a commercial announcement. Hey, Teresa, how's it going? Bad, Ken. Really bad. Why? What's the matter? Our friends at the Infernal Revenue Service paid me a personal visit the other day. The IRS? Yep. Two big brutish guys scared us all half to death. I bet. What did they want? Money, of course. Lots of it, too. Remember that consulting gig I took last year? Yep, I remember. You were raking in some big bucks, as I recall. Yeah, and all those big bucks went straight into my personal bank account. It turns out the IRS doesn't like it when you do that. And on top of that, I didn't file any of the right forms or pay nearly enough in taxes. So they want it all right now. Plus penalties and interest. Ouch. Sounds like you should have called Amendment 16. Hey, isn't the damned 16th Amendment that got me into this predicament in the first place? No, no, no. Amendment 16, the invoicing service. They'll invoice your client for the hours and expenses you report to them. And when your client pays them, they pay you minus all required state and federal taxes. It's that easy. One call does it all. And they'll even have an accountant perform, uh, fill out your personal taxes for you come April Fool's Day. I mean, come April 15th. 
And they take care of all the taxes, all the forms. Yep. And they get passed along certain tax breaks, too. Man, I wish I would have known about Amendment 16 sooner. Where can I find them? On the web, of course, at amendment16.com, with 16 spelled out. That's amendment, S-I-X-T-E-E-N dot com. One call does it all. You've been registered a libertarian for years, voted for libertarians even longer, and lived by libertarian principles all your life. Now it's time to take the next step and become a dues-paying member of the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania. Keep abreast of the march towards liberty on Pencil- in Pennsylvania. Take an active role in making it happen. Maybe even consider running for a local political office yourself. It all starts with becoming a dues-paying member of the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania. It's easy, fast, and only $20 a year. So visit lppa.org or sign up today. That's lppa.org. Do it today. A freer future is waiting. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, and welcome to the me portion of episode 41 of the Pennsylvania Project, where I get to rant a bit about something that really sticks in my crawl. Today, it's technological tyrants. If you were listening earlier, you know it started with a Facebook Question from Tina LaRouche, LaRouche, pardon me, not LaRouche. She was wondering why I haven't mentioned Pennsylvania's latest technological tyrant, speed cameras. Let's start off by saying everyone speeds. We know that. Virtually everyone probably. There must be somebody out there, that little old lady in front of me on Sunday morning. I first talked about this way back in episode two, back when the Pennsylvania Project was brandy new. I talked about it every morning I drive up I-95 to Princeton, and you know how fast the traffic moves? Yep, 75 miles an hour in the right lane, 80 in the left. We the people have voted with our feet when it comes to the proper speed limit for I-95, and everything cruises along just fine, except when there's that cop sitting in the median near Yardley, then everybody slows down to 55. But as soon as we pass that road hazard, it's back up to 75 or 80. And that's just what he is, too. He's a road hazard. It's a hazard because people jam on their brakes or swerve into the right lane so they look innocent. And it's all too early in the morning when this happens. And no one's really awake yet. Definitely a hazard. You know what's funny? He's there maybe half the time, and I have never seen him pull anyone over. Even when somebody's chatting on their cell phone and blows right past him. If you ask me, he's probably doing paperwork or watching some cop's reality show on his phone. I don't know. But he never moves from that spot. Regardless, our Yardley cop highlights a real danger. People who drive too slow, just asking the rear ended. But I'm digressing because the topic is speed cameras, not the cops. Some call these speed cameras money machines. I took a look and you know in in 2017, Washington DC issued over 1 million tickets with their speed cameras. Washington DC, it's only 10 miles square. And in 2018 in Maryland, the state made like 70 million bucks 40 million of which was my wife's, by the way. But if you do the math, at 40 bucks a pop, that's almost 2 million tickets. And that proves my point. Everybody speeds. Millions of people every year. Well, Philadelphia, dear friends in Philly, they want a piece of that action. And they're targeting Roosevelt Boulevard, US-1, one of my personal favorite roads. Because I grew up at front in the boulevard, and my high school sweetheart, she lived at F in the boulevard. I should enunciate, that's F Street and the Boulevard, not F and the Boulevard, but I digress. 
We dated for years, and I'd ride my bike back and forth along the boulevard to her place and back. Was it dangerous? I can't say I ever noticed it being dangerous. At least I survived long enough to say it wasn't dangerous. But a lot of people think it's dangerous. Take, for example, State Farm Insurance. They say that the boulevard has the second and third most dangerous intersections in all America. I guess they know since they have to pay the damages when things go wrong. I guess at least the situation where it's hard to argue that something's got to be done. I mean, number two, number three. Are we trying for number one? I hope not. But what do we do? Are speed cameras the solution? Sources that I've seen say that speed cameras reduce crashes by about 20%. That's not too shabby. Their tyrannical cousins, those red light cameras, reduce people blowing red lights by about 50%. Again, that's not too shabby. But you know, I have some driving concerns with these tyrannical devices, pardon the pun, or don't, because there's the same problem with both of them. They're unconstitutional. You knew I'd get to the Constitution eventually, didn't you? Article 1, Section 9 of the Pennsylvania Constitution says, quote, in all criminal prosecutions, the accused hath the right to meet the witnesses face to face. But who's the witness here? Some mechanical device? A device without a face, I must add. Maybe it has an eye, that's about it. Since all traffic violations are prosecuted, or persecuted, I should say, under criminal law, Article 1, Section 9 applies here. That means speeding cameras, red light cameras, both are unconstitutional. Think of it this way. If the first thing you know about any issue regarding one of these tyrannical devices is when you get that surprise ticket in the mail, it includes a nice picture of the back of your car and a demand for money. Sounds like extortion to me. But if you decide to fight it and try to exercise your right to meet your witness face to face, you know who you may get to meet? Kodak? No, wait, Kodak's bankrupt their business. Well, regardless, there's no one that I can see face-to-face, no one to cross-examine, no, nothing at all, only some lifeless picture, which, by the way, does not tell the whole picture. Let me tell you why. Because, you see, there are several different people who drive my car. Which one of us is guilty? Who knows? Certainly not the camera. And, you know, the law specifically forbids these cameras from taking pictures of the driver. So they don't know. So, again, let me ask, who's guilty? but they bring you in anyway. I can see it now. Commonwealth of Pennsylvania versus Ken's 1972 Plymouth Fury 3. What rights does my car have? Apparently just as many as I do. None. Oh, man. You know, it's funny because I actually tried to win one of those speeding camera tickets once. I didn't win. That was the 40 bucks I mentioned that went to Maryland. My wife was driving, but I got the ticket. So I figured I'd give it a fight. I'm weird like that. Anytime someone initiates the use of courts against me, I use the opportunity to learn more about the law. What I got for my trouble this time was a whole lot of legal mumbo-jumbo. No surprise. I got excuses about how I had my chance to examine the records of the camera, to count its calibration, its maintenance, its manufacture, history, serial number, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't take the chance, they told me. Hey, who cares about all that? All I kept asking was, what makes you think it was me? Who saw me driving the car? It wasn't me, I insisted under oath. Who was it? Who was it? Who was it? I kept asking. I got no surprise. I got no answer. No surprise. I get that backward. But I did get a cheap lesson in law for a $40 lesson about how we've lost yet another constitutionally secured right. So what do we do about highway safety? 
instead of using those unconstitutional tyrannical devices? How do we stop the carnage on the roads? But speed cameras reduce accidents, they say. Red light cameras, too. Well, while speed cameras may be a correct solution, I have to ask, are they solving the correct problem? To my mind, the clear answer is no, because they're treating symptoms, not the cause. So regardless of what tyrannical application of the treatment they may come up with, the symptoms are bound to return until they get to the cause. So the question is then, what is the cause? Well, that depends on the situation, obviously. My first guess is the driver. It could be the driver's actually at fault and deserves a ticket or deserves to be jailed. Maybe the cause is the Roosevelt Boulevard, the design of the road. Why not put up pedestrian bridges or tunnels like they used to have at Whitaker Avenue? It's a 12-lane highway. Why not put middle six lanes into an expressway? Eliminate those intersections. And they'll say, no, there's no money. That's because, like I said last episode, the state steals a half a billion dollars of toll money every year from the turnpike for who knows what. And too much of the gas tax is spent on things other than the constitutionally mandated construction, reconstruction, maintenance, and repair of and safety on the public highways and bridges as mandated by Article 8, Section 11. It's no surprise we have unsafe roads. They've stolen the money that was supposed to be used to make them, them safe and spent it on tyrannical tyrants. If they were solving the correct problem, they would outlaw those tyrannical devices. And on that cheerful note, that's going to have to wrap it up for Episode 41 of the Pennsylvania Project. If you have something to say, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Today's episode, courtesy of Amendment 16 Limited, recorded live at the studios of WWDB Radio, broadcasting in Philadelphia at 8.60 a.m. on the a.m. dial every Saturday at 10 a.m. Webmaster Stephen Worley, marketing guru Connor Dragotis, featured Toastmaster narrator Teresa Santoski, I'm going to get your name on Santoski. Keyboard wizard Joe the Pag, radio producer Brett Kronberger, executive producer Mark Kronberger, and me, your caster, Ken Krawchuk. Thanks for joining us. And remember, more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem.